0: Welcome to episode 154 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're looking at Season 7, Episode 5, Rush. The original air date was December 5th, 1999. The IMDb user score is 7.6 out of 10. And the action primarily takes place in the state of Virginia. So this is writer David Amman's take on The Flash. The super speed characters from DC Comics. This is Amon's third episode of The X Files. He previously wrote Terms of Endearment and Aguamala. He's got four more episodes coming up over the next few years, some of which go into season nine. So he's with us till the original end of the series. On the flip side, director Robert Lieberman has directed exactly one episode of The X Files, and this is it. According to the IMDb, he's also known for The Expanse, Falling Skies, Fire in the Sky, and Eve of Destruction. Looking through his credit list, he did a few episodes of The Dead Zone as well, the TV series that came after this. He's been steadily working as a director since 1978, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem to click. The work he's done is primarily in TV, but I haven't seen anything where he's directed more than six episodes of any given series. The episode opens with a teenager named Tony meeting a couple others in the woods. We know that he's not supposed to be here. He's a little bit late because he had to wait for his mom to leave, so he's clearly sneaking out. And he swears not to tell anyone about this place, even if someone dies, which someone does. It's not long after that, that a local deputy is killed rather horrifically. Now, Tony was right there at the time, so obviously he is the prime suspect. They even got his prints on the murder weapon because he picked up the fallen flashlight, covered in blood before he realized that a murder had even taken place. But he keeps his vow, doesn't say a word to anyone, so that earns him the trust of Chastity and Mark. Mulder and Scully are called in, and while Mulder initially assumes it's telekinesis or psychokinesis, with the help of their friend Chuck, they figure out no, this this is an, an actual physical object. They can't make out what it is in the blur on high-speed film, but they do know it's casting a shadow. He eventually realizes that no, it is just super speed. So as things continue, one of the school teachers is killed after failing Mark on his midterm, even though Mark got hundred percent on it. Although. It's quite likely that he was cheating. I mean, he came in with less than two minutes in the midterm, answered every question without sitting down, without even visibly opening the textbook or even the test paper. I think it's perfectly natural for that teacher to assume you were cheating somehow, especially since apparently the teacher had the answer key in plain sight on the desk, because even though they had machine scorable scantrons, he was marking them with a transparent overlay. So, yeah, I think that was reasonable of the teacher, and basically Mark may have been doing great. He may have honestly got all those answers. He may have cheated. However he got them, I suspect he was cheating because he doesn't seem to take responsibility for anything. His decision to come in and do that and kind of flaunt his power is just going to draw suspicion and cast doubt. I don't know why he was expecting to get away with it. But again, in retaliation, he kills that teacher in the lunchroom in what seems like a psychic attack, things in the room just keep flying at the teacher. And eventually Chastity and Tony decide they need to start taking a stand. And it's just in time, too. Tony intervenes before Mark kills his own father, the sheriff. The super speed is something that they obtain in a cave. It affects the teenagers, but none of the adults who go through later. And then they fill that cave with concrete as a precautionary measure so it cuts off the power source for reasons that may or may not make sense. I mean, if that's a precautionary measure and you're going to fill it with that much concrete, it's going to cost thousands of dollars. I think you would need more evidence than they had here. But this is the X-Files. They can't walk away with definitive proof of anything. They needed to find some way to disable the abilities of the cave from granting super speed, even temporarily, to the characters in the show. Ultimately when Tony confronts Chastity and Mark in that cave, Chastity is on his side. They are trying to stop Mark because they realize that Mark really is the villain of the piece, even if Mark doesn't recognize it. And even though it's set up so that Tony's going to be the hero, he was the honors kid. He was the one that was the good kid. He wasn't, you know, in with Mark at the beginning. He's the one that grabbed the sheriff's gun and stopped Mark from killing the sheriff initially it's Chastity who ultimately wins the day and stops things. She's addicted to the speed, doesn't want to live life another way, but she kills Mark, shooting him in the back, and then runs around in front of him and takes the bullet as well, giving her own life. So Tony ends up as the sole survivor. So it is somewhat like the Flash with the super speed, and Tony ending up knowing it, but not having the speed in the end. It's a little bit of the flip side of the way the dynamic went in The Flash, instead of The Flash inspiring the villain. This is more like the villain inspired the hero. So instead of Flash inspiring Professor Zoom, here we get Professor Zoom first, who then gives The the Flash his powers. Now as for the guest cast, Tony is played by Rodney Scott, who's known for three episodes of Dawson's Creek as Will Kredsky. He was in The Corner, The District, and Aces and Eights. 26 acting credits to his name, most recently as a voiceover in the video game L.A. Noire from 2011. Scott Cooper plays Mark Harden. He's actually become a director now. He's directed Crazy Heart, Out of the Furnace, Black Mast, and Hostiles. This is only his third acting credit ever. came shortly after his role as a Klansman's son, Bobby, in Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. He's now got 15 acting credits, most recently from 2017, but the director credits are continuing past that. So Crazy Heart is the movie starring Jeff Bridges about a country singer. Chastity is played by Nikki Acox. She's also known for Perfect Strangers, Jeepers Creepers 2, Joyride 2, and X-Files I Wanna Believe, so the second X-Files movie where she plays a different character and this is her only appearance in the X-Files televised series. She also appeared in seven episodes of Providence around the same time, guest shots on Dark Angel and the 2002 Twilight Zone. She's been a steadily working actress, most recently appearing in Dead on Campus from 2014. Ann Dowd plays Tony's mother, 98 acting credits to her name, Best known for The Handmaid's Tale as Aunt Lydia, Garden State, Hereditary, and Compliance. This is her only X Files credit. Tom Bauer plays Sheriff Harden. I will always know him as Marvin from Die Hard 2. He also appeared in The Hills Have Eyes, True Believer, Out of the Furnace. He's got 171 acting credits to his name, including several that are in post production are completed. So he is still steadily working today. David Wells plays the teacher. This is his only X-Files credit. He also appeared as the cheese man in the restless episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was in Dragnet. He's got 130 acting credits to his name. Best known for his work in Starman, Basic Instinct, Beverly Hills Cop, and He Was a Quiet Man. Les Lannan plays Deputy Foster. Short role before he passes away. He is also known for Southern Comfort, The Pest, Centennial, and Shoot to Kill. 60 acting credits to his name, although it does look like he took some time off, at least from acting in what are credited on the IMDb. He had a lot of work in 1997, 99, an episode of Judge of in 2000, and then it jumps to 2019 with four episodes of Night's End. Bill Dow returns as Chuck Burks. This is his sixth out of nine episodes of The X-Files. Rachel Winfrey appears as a nurse. She's got 76 acting credits to her name, including Mostly Ghostly, The Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Old School, and Donnie Darko. This is her only X-Files credit. And again, she is still working today with upcoming roles that are showing as in post-production. Finally, Christopher Wynn appears as the deputy. He will appear on the X Files again. This is his first of two appearances in minor roles, neither of which have names. They're just various police officers. Twenty-eight acting credits to his name, most recently 2013. And those credits include Back to the Future Part Three, Speed Two, Cruise Control, Undisputed, and Sky High. So overall, it's not a terrible episode. Something doesn't quite gel. That may be because of the director's inexperience with the series itself. They're could be something just off. I can't quite put my finger on it. I do really appreciate that it's actually Chastity who ultimately wins the day. There's not a lot of episodes where, especially at this time of any TV series, where it's one of the female characters who is able to stand up and win the day, especially one who's had that change of heart and realizes that, yeah, well, this was fun. Mark is taking it way too far and hurting too many people. The downside to that is that Mulder and Scully play a very low-key role in this. It really feels like the outcome of this episode wouldn't have changed if Mulder and Scully weren't present. It really is all about the guest stars. So that may actually be what's ultimately leading to my feeling of dissatisfaction. So in which case, that wouldn't be on the director, that would be on writer David Amon for the way he structured the story. Now, as far as the science of the episode is concerned, Superspeed has a lot of problems. I appreciate the fact that when they started getting actual medical scans of these kids that were involved, internally, they looked much older than their external appearances. I appreciate that Mark in particular had a closet full of sneakers with melted soles because he was going through them so quickly. That was a nice touch. But getting the powers by stepping into a light on a particular stone and all the other things that go with it, this completely ignores the air displacement issues that you'd have there. It ignores the whiplash effects. Before Tony has the powers at all, Mark saves him from a speeding vehicle. He would still have whiplash. It's not the fact that you're stopping on something hard that hurts you. It's the fact that your speed and momentum are changing so rapidly. Force is change in momentum over change in time. If someone's running high speed towards a pole in a runaway car, and you zip him out and leave him standing stationary next to it, you're going to cause just as much damage because he's still stopping just as abruptly. So a lot of the science of super speed here doesn't work, although a lot of these are problems in the comic book heroes that inspired the episode, so it's hard to say whether it's X-Files getting the science wrong, or that's X-Files just accurately homaging a genre that gets the science wrong. I just ultimately find it to be a dissatisfying episode. And it could be because it really is just the new kids doing this, and Muller and Scully have very little to do with the ultimate outcome. Either way, that's all we have to say about Rush. Join us again in two weeks time when we take a look at the Goldberg Variation. Thank you for listening.